Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Fewer and Better Essentials, a powerful lifestyle brand. It's Koyana. This is a visionary podcast series about visionary ideas and people. My name is Oliver Chen. I'm Cowan's new platforms, retail and luxury analyst. In this episode of our retail and luxury visionary podcast series, we'll dive into sustainability and how consumers can shop for fewer, better pieces. We're really excited to here to have Carla Gallardo, the co-founder and CEO of Kuyana. Kuyana launched in 2011 with the mission of curating timeless apparel and accessories made from high quality materials inspired by a philosophy of fewer and better things. To kick things off, Carla, you didn't necessarily have a background in fashion when you first started this journey. How did you come up with the concept and what sets it apart? Great, great start. I did not have a background in retail and that actually really helped uh, build Kuyana. A lot of the of the business model and, and how we go about making product is non-conventional. Um, but the idea really came about as a customer. You know, I uh, had recently moved to the US and I had uh, grown up in a way that uh, was different than um, what I realized many of my classmates then in college in the US, uh, you know, and, and how they had uh, been raised or how they approached shopping. Uh, you know, one of the biggest shocking moments for me uh, was um, Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, and people sleeping outside of Macy's to be able to get in and buy product at a discount. I'd never seen something like that before. Um, you know, but the second moment I was also kind of shocked and surprised was about my own behavior and how quickly I became an unintentional shopper. And the big disappointment I had with the purchases I had made, uh, you know, I realized that I didn't think twice about quality behind before purchasing. I didn't even know what I bought um, uh, in, in those kind of short, quick mall trips that we that we would make with with uh, my new um, college friends, and um, and I was just embarrassed, and I kind of felt a sense of dissatisfaction, and that was kind of the beginning of it. Uh, you know, fast forward to a few years of college and working in New York later, um, you know, the dissatisfaction hadn't changed, but rather, you know, the idea of building a brand that actually, you know, helped customers buy better, that exposed the stories of how products were made, that, uh, you know, that actually kind of taught customers what my parents taught me when it comes to buying products intentionally, um, was something that I thought, would be amazing if it existed. Uh, it would just make people happier. And, you know, those wardrobes that, you know, were full then of the kind of stuff would actually be fooled, filled with things that people loved and the feeling of satisfaction and just kind of joy would be, would be greater. Carla, one of the main aspects we're focused here on Cowan is transparency. Um, what does transparency mean to your brand and we believe consumers really care about this. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, transparency starts by doing things right, uh, and not only by sharing, you know, sharing a, a message. Uh, it really, it really starts with uh, with the behind the scenes and authentically 
doing what you eventually will preach. You know, one of the things about Kuyana that as we think back about our history, it's, uh, you know, geez, we've, uh, we've been sustainable from day one. You know, we've cared about quality from day one. There have been all of these layers to our brand that are incredibly relevant today and that we now are sharing with our customers, right? As we are, of course, uh, being transparent about how we make our product. And now that the customer has become curious about how products are made. Um, but back in the day, it was just the way we worked. It was how we wanted to, you know, that's, that's, how, that's the, the, the type of business model that we wanted to build, a type of product that we wanted to make and create. And so for us, transparency really is about sharing all of that with our customer in a way that's not overwhelming, in a way that is certainly educational, and also in a way that inspires them to share more with us, right? Because our goal is to create Fear Better product, to, uh, to enable her uh, to have more time for her day-to-day -day and not overthink what she's buying or be disappointed about what she's bought. Um, but we also want to learn from her, right? And so, you know, transparency, it's not only one way. Uh, for us, it's also being able to collect more thoughts that would inspire us to be better in the future and give her give her what matters going forward. Carla, Kuyana has a really unique portfolio uh, between I iconic products and bags and also lifestyle. So for those who don't know the brand, um, how did you evolve? What's your product mix look like? And what are some of your most iconic products and price points? Kuyana now is focused on our customer's wardrobe, and that's what our assortment offers her. We offer her those perfect day-to-day -day essentials to, to get her through her busy days. Our most iconic products are our leather goods, and that's what Kuyana is, is known for. Um, and the reason for that is our value proposition there is best in market. Uh, the level of quality of our leather goods and the price point at which we sell them is just pretty incredible. Uh, we, we always look at price per wear. That's, what, that's one of our metrics of success. And so we're not putting products out there that are incredibly affordable because for us, you know, the level of quality that we sell actually doesn't allow us to, you know, sell bags at 50, 80, a hundred dollars. Our average price point of a, of a leather bag is about 200 to 300. That's kind of our sweet spot, but it is still an incredible price point for the level of quality we put to market. And when we think, we think about price per wear, because the way we design those bags, those bags are worn every day by most of our customers and they were worn for years. And so when you think about what it actually costs, the cost per wear of that product, it's, it's pretty minimal. So that's really where we, where we win uh, and what we are known for. Um, you know, our customers tell us, you are the brand, like you're the bag I reach out for every morning. That's what we are. Uh, what she grabs just without, when she doesn't need have time to think, you know, or as she's leaving her house, she grabs us and she's out and she just feels confident and, 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 and goes with her day. Carla, we've also been really impressed with supply chain in Koyana. Which parts of the supply chain excite you the most? And, you know, we, we think a lot about magic and logic and the logic of supply chain is so important, you know, to driving magic as well and real impact. Yeah, this is part of, uh, you know, not coming from retail that was actually instrumental in building the supply chain we have today because we started to produce product without knowing how traditionally it was produced without knowing the traditional timelines for 
uh, for making product and kind of you know the more traditional ways. And so you can think of our supply chain as um, first there's kind of there's a micro supply chain model embedded in it. And so we start with the material. It all starts there, um, and we go to the source of the material that in the, the country of source that's best at making that material. So if we are if we enter the leather bags market, which is what we did, we went to the countries that made that the best leather in the world and that actually had um, have are known for craftsmanship of that material. And the two countries that you know we 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 were the top of our list were Italy and Argentina. We really cared about you know the handmaking aspect of a good leather of, of a leather good. And, um, and those were two countries that have been just exceptional and have a lot of heritage in that. And so when I say micro supply chain, you know, it starts with the material, but it then moves into the factor and it's all our, the way that our supply chain works by material, it's all consolidated in one country. So the leather comes from Italy, the leather good is made in Italy, the, you know, cashmere comes from Scotland, and then the cashmere is knitted or woven in Scotland. So the way that we built this our supply chain is really material focused, and we have micro supply chains throughout the world. Um, so that's one of the of, of, of the kind of premises of it. And how is that? How does that? You know, why is that? A, how is that a a reason for success? One, um, we are working with the real experts, right? Of um, who know it's just the expertise there is incredible. It has a cost, and that's why. Our goods are not the cheapest ones in the market, um, so it definitely it's certainly more expensive to uh, to make a bag in Italy than it is to make a bag, you know, in Asia, for example. But we've made that choice intentionally so that the craftsmanship of that bag is done with the best hands. Um, then there's a sustainability aspect to that. Uh, there's not, a, you know, we're not transporting materials from one end of the world to the other one and then to our warehouse. It all happens there. So there are a lot of benefits there uh, with the micro supply chain model. Um, the second piece that I think is key to our supply chain is our merchandise model. And it impacts our supply chain. And that is because we are a business of bestsellers. 80% uh, of our sales are products that we've made for many, many years. And so you can think about how beneficial that is, number one, from a, we're, we're kind of, we've become experts of predicting demand for those products, right? We've, we have so much data from past years that we don't, we're not putting a product to market that then at the end of the season gets discounted and we kind of have data for a dress, but that dress is gone. And so then we have to write, kind of use comps to build the, the predictions for the demand of the upcoming dress that we're gonna launch. No, we have, you know, the tote, for example, that we've been selling since 2011 now, 10 years of data. So the ability to predict quantities of sales of that product that also sells year round is, is pretty incredible. And then that directly impacts our supply chain because the factories that are making our products have the ability to forecast also their own, uh, 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 the capacity of their own plants. They're able to plan for labor and they actually, the, the partnership we have with them is so, so, so strong because we're both kind of growing and building together. They don't get the choppiness that they usually get from the traditional uh, retailer who's placing orders once a quarter, right? Like they get kind of a steady monthly replenishment business with us for most of our orders. Um, and so the, the relationship and just strength that we have there is, is, is incredible. That allows us to navigate hard times like COVID, 
as partners, as opposed to, uh, right, in a different way, as opposed to just kind of a, having a business contract, we actually have a partnership with them. And then lastly, I'll tell you, you know, we don't, uh, we don't make big mistakes in inventory and in, in inventory buys. We, we, we have a limited edition model where when we put a new product to market, we make a sm smaller batch than, you know, the kind of larger quantities that we're placing in the background for our bestseller products. And we see how it goes. And if it's a hit, then it go becomes a part of our core assortment and we make more of it. Um, so kind of this, you know, small batch model has also really helped us penetrate or introduce new products and then penetrate those categories in a way that um, inventory, we're not overproducing. Carla, you also have really beautiful stores that look like homes and are very indicative of, of your brand. What about your growth strategies? How are you thinking about different channels and, and where you want to head over the next five years? Just like we innovated on how we make product, you know, we are constantly innovating on how we sell that product. We uh, launched as an omni-channel brand in 2013, mostly focused on digital, but uh, we also had a first store back then. And the vision is, or it continues to be, building a brand without a physical touch point is really difficult, especially when we're building a brand that's all about quality, that's all about intentional buying, right? There, a, a physical channel is needed there. Um, so retail has been an important part of our strategy since the beginning. Retail, however, you know, more traditionally, is, is, was not was not a very attractive model uh, when we when we first started. And for us, it was all about figuring out the perfect size of the store, the perfect uh, model within the store, so that each one of our stores would number one help us build brand, but more importantly, be a profitable channel for us, right? And 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 have the terms uh, with our landlords that will allow us to be more flexible. Or in, and or test into the market. And if it doesn't work, be able to exit without big costs. And so retail has been a channel that we've grown from you know, one store in San Francisco in 2013 to eight stores right when COVID hit in 2020. And that's where we've paused. In between, we did a lot of tests, pop-ups. Uh, we have a, a strong framework that we use to pick where we open uh, new stores. And by then we had eight stores uh, with COVID hitting. You know, that's, that's one of the channels that we actually paused on. And uh, we haven't opened new stores since, uh, except for one in San Francisco, which is Fillmore. And we recently opened it post, post the kind of hardest time of the pandemic. Um, uh, but there's, there's more to, to, to see about this channel. Look, we, we, we believe in retail. Um, we are, we, we, we stopped the velocity of growth there, uh, due to COVID. And now we are seeing how the customer's coming back. It's really important for us to make sure that the experience we're providing her in the store today, which is the same one that we designed pre COVID continues to be right for her. We want to really be observant and make sure that her shopping behaviors haven't changed. And, you know, once we are ready, we will continue to to, um, to, to focus on the channel. But for now, we're in a little bit of learning mode uh, and then kind of innovation mode. Um, and and we'll, we'll see what happens next year. Carla, on the topic of better, um, retail can be much better with sustainability. What, what do you think the industry should do? And what, what is your advice in terms of where we're headed and, and what can and should be done in this immense challenge? Yeah, it's a, you, you, you say it right, it's an immense challenge. There's so much to do, really. 
but everybody, I mean, every participant of um, the retail industry can actually be doing something. Uh, look, for us as a brand, right, we are yet another brand that's creating more product and putting more product to market, right? What, how do we view our responsibility? So, you know, we've simplified our, uh, the way we explain what sustainability is to us by saying that we produce fewer better product with the goal of, uh, of the product not ending in landfill. Our goal is to make product that will last for many, many years and for it not to end up in landfill. And we do this, you know, through, through different steps. First, we produce responsibly. And I shared with you our supply chain model, right? We are really focused on only making what we sell, right? And really being smart about uh, how we read the data, right? We have a best sellers model working with our factories to make sure we, we make the right quantities, having a small batch model for new products, right? So, so that's the number one, produce, produce responsibly from a quantity standpoint, but also from the type of product we make. So we use... I know nearly 100% of our materials meet sustainability standards, and we have really close relationships with our factories so that we can enforce and really be good about uh, just sustainable production overall. So that's number one, produce responsibly. Two, once we make product, we want to make sure our customer buys what she loves, and that's where Fewer Better really comes into play. Uh, we don't want her to buy unintentionally. We want her to buy that product that she's going to wear over and over and over again. Uh, we don't make products that you wear once. Like we don't make gala dresses. Uh, we don't make, right? That's not our business. Our business is those products that we, you reach for all the time. And that's our second uh, kind of category under sustainability. It's maximizing wear. Designing versatile items that, you know, she'll reach in, uh, she'll reach for many times and also providing her enough content so that it gives her ideas of how to style and wear it and always feel fresh and new. And then the last part of our sustainability efforts focus on extending life. At some point, you know, she is going to feel like the end of there's an end to the relationship that she has with that specific product. And that is okay. Um, you know, we've kind of done our job to produce high quality product that, you know, can last through time. We've helped her maximize her wear, but at some point it's time to part ways. And, um, and we have different ways of kind of giving that product a new life. One, maybe she's ready to part ways because the product has wear and tear. Well, we really focus on, we've developed a care line, for example, for our leather products. You can go into our stores, give your leather goods a spa moment, uh, right? We kind of make it, we refurbish the, the product. Um, there's repair moments that we're actually starting to work on in a deeper way. Uh, perhaps a button came out or right there's like usual wear and tear that we can just kind of refurbish that product and make it feel fresh again but if she's really ready to let go from the very beginning we launched a, pro a program called lean closet back in 2011 now a lot of this is more common and you're seeing it in other retailers but we 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 give her a way of donating of, of sending back her products to us and we would donate it and give those products a second and third life so so kind of extending the life of that product and letting it not not letting it, sorry, end up in landfill. So donation has been a big part of the way that we extend the life of our products. And we are super excited to very soon announce in April, another way of extending products through Kuyana. And we're gonna be launching a new program called Revive. 
and I'm not sure if I'm going to share more details today. Uh, maybe I will, uh, but it's a, it's a new way for customers to 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 keep uh, giving new lives to 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 their Kuyana goods and um, and ultimately us reaching our mission of sustainability and not letting those items end up in landfill. Congratulations! Every item we own goes through a different journey. So rethinking yeah. what that really means is quite powerful and innovative. Um, another great topic is um, you, Carla, as a female leader. Congratulations on Entrepreneurs 100 Most Powerful Women. Um, diversity, inclusion, it's a big topic for me personally and professionally. Um, what has been your advice to other women uh, as you look to make you know, a broader impact on how uh, this evolves in the industry and in business at large? Oh, well, you know, I always say we have superpowers and so many superpowers. And um, I actually always, you know, I think being a woman is an advantage. I've never seen it as a disadvantage and, and, um, and that enables confidence. And so I, 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 I always um, uh, suggest and advise using our superpowers as an example. Uh, you know, Kuyana is built for women. It's a brand by women for women. Only we have those deepest, the deepest insights of what makes us feel confident when we wear, why a product makes us feel confident, why we grab a product over and over again. And with those insights, we're able to right, build a brand with the offering we have. That's a superpower. Um, we are multifaceted. Uh, we can juggle emotional and logical things. We're mothers, we're, you know, we're in the world. Like, there's just so much to us that we can use as tools to kind of face challenges and get through them. I, I think being a woman is an advantage. That's, that, that's what I can, I can say to the subject. And I think together we empower each other and we, we, we are able to kind of articulate what those, those pow superpowers are and enable each other to use them to be better. Yeah, very moving. And you know, thinking about the left and right brain and magic and logic and also how to lead a complex organization. Thanks for sharing that. Finally, I wanted to ask you, Carla, which parts of the business are the most challenging for you as you think about strategy and, and other factors? And which parts have you had the most fun doing as well? And any closing remarks you may have? Yeah, the challenging part is growing a brand that will last for decades. You know, there's a growth. You can be very, um, if you just focus on growth, you may not build a brand that lasts through the years. There's, there are a lot of uh, trade-offs that you make if you just focus on growing. Uh, building a brand that makes product is really hard. Everything needs to be orchestrated perfectly for you to continue to grow and not disappoint your customer, right? The quality of the product needs to continue to uh, be at the same level despite volumes duplicating, right? Or tripling the experience the customer has uh, through the channels has to continue to be the same and or better. Uh, you also need to continue to update uh, how you communicate to the customer based on what's going on in the world. And in order to do all of that, there's just like so much in the behind the scenes, right? There's like a tech stack that you need to be managing. There's a supply chain that you need to manage. We own our own distribution center, right? a customer experience. There's just so much and so everything working together. Like, an or like I always say, we're orchestrating this, right? And moving and growing together is <clears throat> what creates the magic of the customer, not 
really uh, feeling uh, the, the growth happening. Because the thing about the retail industry and particularly fashion is that if we disappoint her once, she will leave and not come back. And um, it is in those breaking moments, right? When you perhaps open too many stores and you didn't, you know, you're not hiring well, or the, I don't know, making this up, but <laughs> the tote business is growing so fast that we are really pressuring our supplier to make toasts faster. And no, but one of the stitching, the stitching isn't working well. And then you start selling totes that after a few wears start to show a little wear and tear. Those are the moments that you can just break and disappoint your customer. And we just don't want to do that. And so growing fast, but thoughtfully is the biggest challenge that we face and bringing that balance and just orchestrating everything to me is kind of what keeps me up at night because it's all, it's very exciting, right? To think of this grander vision, how we get there as fast as we can, but also uh, how we do it and doing it well uh, is, is the key recipe. And then you mentioned what excites me the most. I'm one of those CEOs that is really deep in the product. So I work really closely with the product team and, you know, coming up with the new product concepts, uh, ideas, uh, uh, go through all the samples together, all the prototypes, like uh, uh, talk to our suppliers, our suppliers, you know, we WhatsApp, like you would share family photos with each other. It's a, I'm really close to the product. That's a part that really excites me the most. It's interesting because I have a math major. I was not, I'm not a designer, by the way, so I don't have the ability to create, to think of an idea and then create it. Um, but being a part of that process and kind of helping drive that process really, really excites me because ultimately that's when I look at the other end and I, you know, I'm walking on the street and I see a customer wearing a Kuyana bag and I kind of see that reality come true. It's, those are the most gratifying moments for me. Uh, it's kind of all comes back for full circle. Well, Carla, it's amazing to hear your story and also thinking about retail as an orchestra or a theater or a restaurant in terms of the whole experience is so important as well as product innovation and truly being culturally relevant and respectful of what's happening in the world around us. So thanks for sharing so many topics with us and we're looking forward to your continued innovation. Thanks, Carla. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.